Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. We are continuing our coverage of Breaking Bad. It's season three, episode five, Mass. And I made sure I went and found out how to pronounce it properly so I'd get it right. And I probably still got it wrong, but whatever. You're dealing with the Oz Network here. What do you expect? Um, this episode was directed by Johan Rennick. Um, and written by Moira Wally Beckett, which is becoming a pretty um, common name by now. Um, and this episode first aired on TV on April the 18th, 2010. Pretty interesting episode, this one. Looking forward to talking about it. Um, my name is Nick, and um, I will adjust you to completion. Wow. Uh, hello. <laughs> um, my name is Ben, and I'm going to spell this out as simple as I can for you. You're a fool. <laughs> she's back i forgot she came back i thought we were <laughs> done with her but my girl's back nick so excited <laughs> this has to be her last appearance doesn't it <laughs> it's um yeah i think so i, I think um it's kind of funny because she reminds me a little bit of a character we're going to get in the final season um you know um you do wonder if maybe they could have made that a, re- a recurring character in some ways, but uh, never mind. Yeah, she is quite a, a funny little character there, and I think this <laughs> might be the last you get of her. So, yeah, but I think, um, you know, like I think we've talked about the, the first kind of four episodes of the show being maybe a little bit slow, and you might consider this to be a little bit slow too, but I, I think it's a fun episode and, and things are starting to build here, and um, it does feel like we're starting to transition into some, some other new stuff as we kind of head into um, episode five of, of this season. Yeah, I think um, this is maybe the the last slow. Like, I mean, the next few are just going to take off really well. But I mean, yeah, this one's fine. Like, it's it's definitely not my favorite episode. Um, there's some moments in it. Uh, we get some nudity, actual nudity. Uh, is this one of only two episodes I think we actually get full on nudity? So, and I'm not mm. talking about Brian Cranston's sexy ass. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's fine again as we always talk about with Breaking Bad. It's generally even a fine episode is going to shit all over most other TV shows. So um, yeah, but I, I mean, I'm not going to be talking about this. I think anywhere near my top ten in you know about thirty forty episodes time, Nick. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's a good. I guess I'd say it's a good kind of building block episode. If I was going to kind of sum it up in in um, a certain way, it's it's a good one. I don't think it's one that you can. Um, miss or that you even want to miss. I think it is a, a good episode in and of itself. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking through this episode. And um, um, one of the things I'm looking forward to talking about is a scene I had, I'll be honest, completely forgotten existed, which is this opening scene. Um, you know, like I like to think of myself as a bit of a fan of the show, but I had totally forgotten about this whole um, yeah, strip club scene um, that kind of starts this episode off. It's um, 
I don't know. I don't know why. Like it just is. It just had completely slipped my memory. But it's a really, really fun way to start the episode where we kind of get the, um, you know, kind of the, the flashback to the pilot episode where we see kind of Walt giving Jesse the money to go and buy the RV. And and you know, as far as we had known from watching the show, we obviously got you know, use that money to buy the RV because the RV turns up so we never had any reason to suspect otherwise as viewers but here we go we kind of move into the scene where Jesse's kind of at the strip club kind of spending all of Walt's money and um, he's with Skinny Pete and and uh, we get Combo back here it's one of the great things about being able to do a flashback is that we bring a character back who's dead um, I prefer this Combo because he doesn't have that stupid little mohawk running down the middle of his head um, <laughs> but he's got and, that um, stupid ugly green hoodie thing like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, does look a bit, he does look a bit like a turtle a, like he's yeah. like this kind of big big guy with this kind of green thing going on but yeah anyway we kind of get this scene and you know basically they're kind of spending all the waltz money at the strip club um and um yeah no it, it, it's 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 just fun eh? and, and obviously kind of the key takeaway from this scene is they kind of get the camera out and they're taking photos and we get this kind of photo of um of of um, Jesse and Combo together <laughs> with the boobs on top of them um, which is going to come up later in the episode um, and you know like a little bit of gratuitous nudity which is uh, a pretty unusual thing for Breaking Bad it's not something we see very often so um, that's kind of fun I guess um, and um, then we kind of you know flash to the next morning and um, Skinny Pete's not feeling too great and kind of throws up and um, I think Jesse's got about $1,400 left and he was meant to buy an RV and um, Combo apparently has an RV um, and so he's able to they go around to his mother's house and, and get this RV um, you know and it's probably not exactly what, what Jesse had in mind but it's going to do the job um, and he kind of drives off taking a few trash cans on his way so yeah kind of a nice little setup nice to have a little um, flashback to Combo I enjoy that um, but yeah just a fun scene that I had kind of forgotten existed yeah me too and I, I kind of like how it starts with the open of um, what was that episode two episode three uh, basically of uh, Walt outside the bank with the I am awake like go and get this um, go and get the RV uh, yeah, I think that's I, a I, pilot right because they're, the they're cooking because they're cooking in the RV in the pilot, right? So, well, they are because they have the whole oh, you know, driving. Yeah, yeah. so no, yeah, this is from the pilot. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Th- throwback to the pilot. Uh, crazy. But um, yeah, like I mean, one thing I want to say: this scene must have been fun to film. Like uh, I kind of wish we uh, had had Charlie on the show after this scene because I can't imagine as an actor this isn't a fun scene to film. And I'm not just saying for the obvious reasons. It just looks like they are legitimately having fun. Um, so I don't think there's a whole lot of acting going on in this whole sequence, but I love Jesse how he's just basically all like, you know, oh, get me some of that really fancy champagne, that Don Perignong, and it's like, oh, it's four hundred dollars a bottle. It's like, oh, okay, well I'll just get two of them then. Like, has he only got seven grand? Like, how does he end up with fourteen hundred at the end of this? I feel like he's throwing this money away a lot quicker than that. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting and. Yeah, the nudity is a weird thing, right? Because, like, for the most part, all these women kind of have, like, the nipple coverings. But there is at least one shot where you do get to see full frontal boobs. And it's... We talked about that in the pilot, that it was kind of done... The pilot was done for, you know, the hope that HBO would pick it up, right? So, like, that was the only time that I thought you ever saw full frontal boobs. But, I mean, I can't remember anything. I mean, we clearly didn't remember this scene, so we must have boobs moving forward. I don't know. But, um, yeah, the rarities of Breaking Bad and boobs... 
So <laughs> yeah, it does excited, feel right? it does feel a little bit out of place. I mean, obviously it um, it pays off later on, I suppose. There is a reason for it to be here, and um, like anything with Breaking Bad, there's very very rarely is there something just there for the sake of it. There's normally a reason for it. So, but yeah, you're right. It is just they are obviously having fun. We can have fun with them. It's it's a great way to open the episode. Yeah, and great music too, can I just say. And I also yeah. love Combo with the... I mean, do you remember disposable cameras? I mean, those were the days. Um, <laughs> but I, I love like the the whole... When Combo's like putting the disposable... Taking a dick pic before you could send dick yeah. pics on phones. There he was. Um, just, you know, take... Oh, I'd love to see how that would turn out, um, basically. So, uh, yeah, poor Skinny Pete though. Uh, Pukey Pete, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we move on to um, oh, we have to talk more about Ted unfortunately because here he oh. is and Skylar's enjoying the underfloor heating in, in Ted's bathroom which is exciting stuff I suppose um, and you know she's trying to find stuff in her um, in her toiletry bag and he just tells her to leave stuff there at his house you know like so things are getting in his head more serious I suppose it's just so like, who cares I can't really even be bothered talking about this it's so boring um, but then we kind of cut to Skylar being back at home setting the table um and, you know, like basically Walt Jr. is kind of calling to Walt, you know, dinner's ready and he's, he's hiding in the in Holly's bedroom, <laughs> like in the in the wardrobe, on the phone to Jesse, um, you know, sitting in this tiny little kiddie's chair, um, you know, and, and obviously this is where um, they're talking about the fact that Jesse's pissed that Walt got half of his money and Walt's trying to assure him that he'd never asked for it. You know, Jesse's obviously in Saul's office having this conversation. Um, you know, Walt gets pissed off and hangs up and then this really just funny button on the scene where he stands up and the, the chair's stuck to his ass, which is which is great. Uh, I was expecting you to turn around and uh, bring up a certain scene from a few episodes ago, but um, yeah, I mean, heated floors, whoop-de-fucking-do, um, move in, whoop-de-fucking-do. Um, but yeah, Walt, Walt in the Closet is the scene I think we didn't know we needed to have. But I also like, one thing I like about Jesse is I just, why am I so into Jesse's fashion? But I love Jesse's beanie that he's just kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's moved away a little bit from the dregs of what he used to wear. He's now, he's, he's moved up to a beanie now. So that's always kind of a, a positive. But um, yeah, well, having that chair stuck on Walt is is another weirdly funny scene, which, again, is that intentional? Uh, was it just maybe Brian Cranston got it stuck to his ass and it wasn't even meant to be in there, but they kept it in? But um, is this the first time we've ever seen Walter in um, in track pants? He's like in grey, sort of round-the-house <laughs> things you'd buy at the warehouse or something, you know? Yeah, it's a weird kind of setup. Um Anytime he's, like, hanging out in a, in a children's closet is always going to be kind of strange, I suppose. Yeah, usually if you hang out in children's closet, there should be a few red flags. But for Walt, it's the least of his um, <laughs> concerns, right? If I was in a children's closet, I would be going straight back to the slammer. <laughs> right, well, let's move on anyway. We're going to come back to him. And we've got, um, you know, I think probably one of the stars of this episode really is Hank, um, you know, checking out these RVs with Gomez. So they're kind of on a bit of a stakeout. And they're kind of, you know, following up on all these RVs. So kind of just picking up on stuff from the last episode. And you know, Hank's determined to track down all these RVs and, and find one of them, which is going to be his clue to kind of link back to this whole Heisenberg um, case that he's chasing. You know, he's decided to stay here and, and, and 
follow this case through. Um, <laughs> we got this really fun scene where we're kind of at like a, a trailer park basically, and um, they're staking out this RV, and 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 Hank does this kind of like um, sneaky kind of walk up the ladder on the back of the RV and sneaks through and 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 looks through the kind of skylight and sees these two like kind of like middle-aged to old couple in their underwear playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, so that's good. you and I. That's what you and I do <laughs> in between in between recordings. That's us. Yeah, we need we we, we need we need somebody to do the um to do a um kind of Photoshop of you and me yeah. and those two. I don't know. I don't know which one of us is going to have the the. I'm the um, woman. The, well, you want the curlers in your hair. Yeah, of course. I've got bigger boobs than you, so it probably works out well. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's a great little scene, and then we kind of, um, you know, we kind of cut to the, the kind of like looks like the next morning, I suppose, um, and you know, like Hank's having to talk himself out of this, and um, but then we kind of get this real kind of like like sweet scene really, where it's you know like Hank and and Gomi are talking, and this is where we find out that that Gomez is off to Texas, so he's obviously taken the spot that that Hank has turned down, um, and yeah, it's just it's kind of sad, you know, like these two guys are are good mates and. Um, you know, Hank's decision to not follow through has given Gomez an opportunity, and um, I, I really like the Gomez character. I just, you know, I feel like he's he's an important part of kind of this little arc that that Hank's currently on, and I, I just enjoy having him here. And I, I think this guy who, um, you know, he was actually, he's actually what a stand-up comedian or something. Or he certainly was before Breaking Bad came along. I think he's done a great job with these scenes. You know, he's not given heaps to do, but when he is asked to do something, he does great with them. Yeah, I agree, and I kind of I like the balance of it because you know it is it's a somewhat of a funny scene of just like Hank. You, you kind of feel like you need that Looney Tunes like the piano with the steps, like the dun 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 dun, dun like as he's like going through yeah. um, the the trailer park, and yeah, I just love random couple playing like strip poker together. Like, good on them. <laughs> like, they're probably been married for about thirty years, keeping the marriage alive. Nick, like, you do know, do you think they're playing strip poker or they're just like? we want to be as comfortable as humanly possible. So we're just going to play under in our underwear. That was more I, the feeling I got. I thought they were playing strip poker. I thought, you know, they're just spicing the marriage up a little bit. Do you, you, often, know, why play, not? Do you often play strip poker in with your, your curls in your hair? I don't know about you, but I do. Um, I mean, <laughs> maybe it's an Australian thing. Maybe New Zealanders are a bit prudish. I, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I do. I do love kind of this. And I love the, um, the guy when he walks out and is like, oh, yeah, some sort of pervert or something. And, it's just, and then, like, the next morning it's kind of all sorted out. I just love Gomi's face where he's just like, oh, my God, like, what's going on? And, um, yeah, what, what does Hank say when it's like, when Gomi's like, oh, I've got to go home. And it's like, oh, what's, uh, the wife got you in a ball brace or something? <laughs> and then, like, when he tells him, like, Dean Norris, like, yeah, he's just, like, he's, the next few episodes are some of the best episodes you will ever see from him. I mean, they're just so good. Like, Dean Norris is just incredible. This season in general, absolutely incredible. Again, how does he not win an Emmy? I don't know. But, um, yeah, you kind of feel for him. You, you do. and like, But you're also kind of you're happy for Gomi. And Gomi's obviously a nice enough guy where he kind of, you know, is a bit awkward in telling him, but he obviously has to tell him eventually. So uh, I think this is the last time we see Gomi in terms of just the standard-looking Gomi because when we get him back, he's going to be a bit more professional-looking. I think we see him more in shirts and he's tidied up the goatee a little bit. So, um, you know, obviously El Paso works out quite well for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we see him in a, in a couple of episodes' time and um, under very diff- different circumstances. So, and and he's great in that episode too. So, I'm looking forward to to getting there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just enjoy what he brings here. And we've almost got like this double team of you know, like Hank's going through some shit, and you know, like he's got these two people who are trying to support him, and he keeps kind of turning his back on both of them in different ways. So. 
you know, Gomez is kind of getting on the neck from Hank just because, you know, Hank's but on the defensive and he, you know, he just doesn't want to admit that he's got these feelings going on, um, you know, of inadequacy and, and this PTSD stuff that he's dealing with. And so, you know, Gomez is wearing it. And then the other one that's wearing it is Marie, which kind of takes us nicely into the next scene, which is, I love the scene. I think it's just so good. And, um, you know, it kind of starts with Marie kind of making her coffee with her four splendors and, um, you know, and, and she's all kind of quite um, kind of bubbly and, and handy. Hank gets home and he's obviously been on a stakeout all night and jumps in the shower and um, you know as I found it from the commentary this is some some method acting going on here from Dean Norris who um, you know insisted on being completely naked for this scene um, I don't know if you needed to know that but now you do I'm glad um, I do I always want to know when Dean Norris is naked thank you for updating me um, but you kind of get this great scene where they're having this conversation slash argument, um, and Marie's you know Marie's talking to him and saying you know I can't help you unless unless you talk to me unless you tell me things, um, and she's obviously been talking to Gomez's wife so she kind of knows what's happening there as well and and you know like Hank's just been an asshole you know like he's just been like really nasty and defensive to Marie like this one person who's trying to help him, and um, I just love this kind of like this argument that kind of ensues where he's in the shower and she's on the other side of the curtain in the bathroom kind of having this conversation and um i just i, I just i really really enjoy this and I, I i love the kind of like again like a little bit of humorous button on the scene where like he's in mid rant and she just kind of like walks out of the bathroom she's heard enough um but i think kind of you talked in the last episode or maybe the one before that about you know taking a bit of a shining to marie and I, i'm i'm feeling the same way i'm you know like we're starting to get her as this great supporting character who's um you know because the middle of this this season is really a bit of a Hank story you know like although Walt's obviously a huge part of it like these few episodes have really been a bit of a Hank story and continue to be and she's providing that support to make it feel real and um, I just I really enjoy what what we're getting from her in these scenes um, so yeah I, I really really enjoy the scene I just I feel the struggle from both of them um, it, it, yeah I just we're really at that point where kind of Hanks in a, in a really tough spot like you know something's going to happen like and obviously we're going to get to that in a few episodes time but you know something's got to break here for him he's either going to have to face what he's dealing with or he's heading in a really bad space um, yeah. and I just love we're kind of building this kind of tension through these dramatic scenes so I love it and I love just the fact that we're getting a bit of a bit of screen time with with a character like Marie who we don't often get to spend much time with yeah, 100%. And again, I just want to formally apologise to the world for ever doubting the brilliance of Marie. Colin was on the board when he said after one episode that he was on board with her. Because, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I, just maybe I was so defensive of Skylar that I felt like, well, Marie's the one that should be getting the shit um, when Marie's actually brilliant. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. Like, the thing, like, I just believe these two as a couple. Like, the, this is just, I know couples like this where, again, I think we've talked about it, but you almost sometimes doubt how are they together. Like, it's kind of they've, they've got this weirdness, but these are the couples that generally stay together. Um, and you just you feel the love that they have for each other. I mean, particularly when it comes to Hank in the next episode with Marie. But, yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's interesting kind of like Hank is being a real dick and just, you know, being the real macho man. Like, I don't need to talk about this. And obviously Marie's frustrated. But, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a great scene, and I have to say, I'm glad that you said that Dean Norris was very uh, forward in getting naked there because you know he's got a bit of a rig on him. Like you know, uh, he doesn't he's not afraid to show it off. Like I, I like it when these actors are not afraid to show off the bods, you know. And it's, he doesn't need to have a six pack and Chris Hemsworthing it up. Like I mean, he's you know 
He's, he's, he's got a good body, Nick. I don't know where I'm going with this. Save me. <laughs> well, I, I, I would. I, I understand the sentiment of nothing else. That um, it's nice to see somebody that will fully embrace this kind of this character. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I think one of the kind of revelations to me and kind of watching this, and it's a different experience for me watching it this time around. And I was thinking about this today: is that we're watching episode by episode and critiquing it on an episode basis, right? But I often think about. You know, my thoughts about the show is really about what's happening to Walt and what's happening to Jesse. And I often just forget about the Hank stuff that's happening kind of almost in the background. But like, I, it's one of the most pleasant surprises coming back and, and analyzing the show in the way that we are, that I'm we're getting to spend some time talking about a character who is not central to the, the, the two main characters of the show, but it's actually really, really interesting to watch him kind of go through something. So I'm, I'm just loving the, the screen time we're getting with Hank. It's just, yeah, it's really fun. And it's only going to get better. I mean, yeah. God, the next few episodes, uh, I mean, you would almost argue the Hank story. Like I, this is probably the one that I'm more into in the next few episodes than even Walt and Jesse. And, and that's not to take away from the importance of Walt and Jesse moving forward as well, because we're going to get some very good stuff with them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I've almost said that Walt takes a real back seat for some of these middle episodes, doesn't he? Like, it it's almost just becomes about Hank and Jesse. So, which yeah. even then, it's still, it's, I mean, there's still Walt stuff to keep us entertained, but still not uh, nothing to do with Walt. But, yeah, Hank is, yeah, they've really done well with this Hank character each season that moves forward. Yeah. Um, so we kind of move on and we got this this next scene, which is in the, the kind of office at Los Polos Hermanos. And um, Walt's kind of confronting Gus about, why did you give me this money? And again, I just, I love this scene as well. Like what I love about this episode is that while it might not be like really high on action, like almost every dialogue scene is it's just so damn good. Um, and you can kind of see these mind games happening between these two characters where, you know, Walt thinks he's too smart for Gus and Gus has actually realized that he knows how to push Walt's buttons. He knows how to kind of get the reaction he wants out of Walt. Um, and basically it's worked to a charm and you kind of get Walt basically explaining, like he knows what Gus is trying to, but, but basically kind of talks Gus exactly. And you now Gus kind of lets him talk himself into it, you know, and that's what I love about it is that Gus doesn't even really have to do anything in this scene. He just mm. lets kind of Walt, do whatever stupid thing he's going to do um and and just you know the thing about walt is that he kind of he has to prove that he's smart and he has to prove that he knows what he's doing um and somebody like gus is quite happy to you know he's an introvert and he's quite happy to just let walt talk himself into a stupid situation so um i just really like the dynamic between these two guys um and you know walt kind of unbeknowingly kind of lays out all his insecurities to Gus in the scene, which I really, really like. And kind of just ends with this thing of like, let me show you something, which is going to take us into the next scene, which is another great one. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really like this, you know, that we've kind of got, you know, Walt doing all the talking and, and Gus just kind of standing, just like sitting there going, yep, just, you, you know, you think you've got it all figured out. You've really got no idea. I'm in the pastel yellow shirt with a chicken suit on the shelf. I don't know if you noticed that in the background, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing that I, I, I talk about my love for Gus and I, I've, at the time of recording this, I've watched further ahead. I just, I literally got to the end of season four and I got to say, and I don't, this isn't a spoiler, but no, I'm not going to say it in a spoilerish way, but like, yeah, what happens between these two and how it plays out is a lot different than what I remembered. And I think kind of this scene sums it up a lot. Like you've got Walt kind of like just going on and on and on and on and Gus just kind of sitting there like... Walt kind of is the author of his own 
fate in so much things that he kind of, what is going to happen to him moving forward? It's kind of all on Walt. Uh, I'm just going to say this now in the long tradition of the Oz Network. Gus, maybe not as evil as he's pointed out to be. I may be on hashtag Team Gus. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's kind of a meth lord, but I mean, you know, he'll do some dodgy things. But at the same time, you know, we defended many a villain on this show on many movies and TV episodes. So maybe we'll keep moving forward there. But yeah, I mean, you can't speak highly enough of Gus and just kind of what he does and just, yeah, the, the way he's kind of like, oh, I want to show you something. I mean, I've tried that with many a people before and I've often gone in jail, but I'm not as cool <laughs> as Gus. So um, I just want this scene of Gus standing up, ripping it out. And Walt's like, wow, impressive. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great scene. I don't know if I'm as high on it as you are, but, like, I mean, I, I think I like the scene they're about to get next in sort of the lab a little bit more, uh, kind of with the speech that Gus gives Walt. I think that's pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is really good. And bef- before we get there, we get, like, another good one, I think, which is, like, basically we, we get um, Skylar kind of pulling up outside Ted's place. And, and what's great about the scene is Ted's not in it. Um, you see but, for um, two seconds, don't you? <laughs> oh yeah, well, why am but, I but anyway. why am I pointing that out? Just get away with it. Nick said he's not in it. Hey, move on. That's good. <laughs> but you know, like she kind of um, gets that phone call beforehand, where um, you know Marie's looking after Holly, and so Marie's calling her, and um, and Marie kind of is upset, and she wants to talk about Hank. Um, and and I just think what a sad scene this is, you know, like you kind of forget and all the kind of craziness with Walt and Skylar and Jesse and Hank, you forget just how alone Marie must be a lot of the time, um, like physically and kind of emotionally, you know, that, um, yeah, she just comes across as a very sad person here. Um, and, I, and I really just do feel for Marie in this scene. I, you know, I, it, 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 yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I just, I, I think it's really sad, a really great little scene of these two and and um just realizing that marie's got a lot of stuff going on and we kind of talk about well i've talked a lot on this about it's interesting if you what the show would look like from a different perspective if this was all shown through marie's perspective you might see a completely different show you know well you would see a completely different show and it's just interesting to think that we're obviously seeing this mostly through kind of you know walt's perspective but you know, like i i just you just had this real moment of kind of feeling sorry for for marie in this scene and Betsy Brandt's amazing too. And again, like I've 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 mentioned recently how I watched that Jimmy Kimmel sort of got the cast together. And I don't think I'd ever seen an interview with Betsy Brandt before, but she's hilarious. Like I don't know if she comes from a background of comedy, but she's she's a very funny woman. But uh, I mean, you wouldn't know it. Like she's I mean, okay, you would know it. She kind of has some underlying humor, just like Dean Norris. But she's still very good here. But the thing, you know, what I find really interesting with Skylar though here too is um, fucking hate the storyline with Ted. Absolutely fucking despise it. But already, I kind of feel sorry for her. <laughs> like, I don't I don't understand it. Like, kind of, straight away, this is kind of almost like where you're seeing her almost like regretting it and kind of going, well, what am I doing? Why am I having an affair? And she's going to say that in this episode, of course. Like, I'm having an affair with my boss and I don't even know why. Um, so, like, it's weird, isn't it, that this storyline, which I despise, I'm all of a sudden now going like, oh, I kind of feel sympathy for Skylar right now, which is dumb. I don't know why, but it's what I love about sort of scenes like this in TV shows and movies is that like, sometimes I like to kind of isolate scenes and you kind of think about the actor sitting in this car on the phone and pretending to have a phone conversation, right? Like whether or not you've got the director, like saying the lines back and forth so you can react or whether you just have to react to whatever it is, but it's just done so seamlessly that you believe these two are on the phone. Like, I mean, that's the point. I get it, but it's just, 
I don't even want to isolate myself in these scenes right now because it's just so good and it's it's literally two shots of things edited together, but it works so well. So mm. yeah, props to both these uh, actresses here. It's it's a, it's a good scene. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then we move on to the other one that, that we just briefly talked about, which is um, Gus has taken Walt to, to the super lab. So we see the lab for the first time, which is you know we come to this um, this laundry which which Gus owns, and and Gus kind of takes him out the back, and we kind of get almost like this back door, kind of like you know something out of like um, comic book, you know. And it's not this won't be the last time that I make comic book kind of comparisons to the show, um, but yeah, just kind of like this this kind of secret doorway that kind of takes him underneath the um the laundry down to this the super lab that that gus has been putting together um which is you know designed to make large quantities of meth completely kind of you know like unseen from from the human eye um that you know because it's a laundry he can get large amounts of chemicals delivered there without anybody raising suspicions um that all the exhaust fumes will kind of be filtered and, and go out with the laundry so kind of like just making this point that it's completely secret nobody's ever really going to suspect it's there um and then he kind of drops some the offer here of you know like i want you to kind of work for me and um you know he needs to make 200 pounds a week in order to make it profitable and is this where he kind of basically just offers him a, a is it three months work for three million dollars i think is the offer um i'm not sure if that's here or i think that comes a little bit later in the scene that we actually find that amount out that's that information's maybe not dropped right in this scene um but there's a there's a few things i like about this um before we kind of get on to the next part of it which is that i love the music I, um oh, it's yeah. really kind of like I, I i wrote down that it kind of reminded me of like a tim burton movie or something like this kind of like edward scissorhands type kind of creepy kind of dollhouse type like kind of like plonking music it's not really music as such it's just kind of like this kind of creepy music which i absolutely love um and when i was watching the commentary for this episode they talked about this as being um a seduction scene which i thought was a really really interesting and on point way to discuss this particular episode uh, the scene you know because like, um, you know like generally speaking when we think about a seduction scene we think about it in a sexual manner but obviously you know Gus is seducing Walt into into doing this cooking um, and Walt's very impressed you know like it's straight away he's like oh my god this is incredible where did you get this stuff so he's really kind of blown away by it which is fantastic um, but ultimately Walt still says no you know that's what he says after, even after he sees this stuff and then we kind of get this whole this whole thing we you know like gus says that you know it's a really compelling speech that he gives about you know men are there to, to protect and provide for their family and you know even when it's not appreciated or respected which i think is a line that absolutely just lands with walt like walt is this this if he's nothing else he's this man who just feels like he is not appreciated in his time that his skills and his talents are being put to waste you know um and that nobody including his family or his wife at least appreciates him um and i think what's really interesting here is that um the way that we start to frame Walt providing for his family is about providing for his children, not for his wife, um, which I think is quite an interesting cue to what he does next in this in this episode. So I, I absolutely love everything about this. I just think it's such a great scene. Um, the dialogue is just really on point. Um, yeah, I think this is where we're really starting to see the Gus character start to come to life and the power of this man who doesn't always say heaps, but when he does, it really lands and, and you know that Walt respects this man at this point in the story and, and you know, he, he may not may not think he does, but he wants to be seduced. He's taken in by this. 
True story. This is exactly the way I recruit co-hosts for the Oz Network. <laughs> I also offer $3 million for three months of their time. I, and, I do uh, think that in order to make this profitable, we need to make 200 episodes a week. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, luckily, I'm just a wealthy investor. So therefore, I can just get away with it. Um, yeah, you're right. Like, and the thing that I really love about this is just Giancarlo Esposito, like just you talk about kind of just how he's just there quite like you just watch him just standing there. He almost just looks like a statue the way he's kind of got his arms there and he's got this look on his face. And then just even the way he kind of his disappointment look on his face when obviously Walt sort of says no. And even the way he kind of can provide this speech about providing for a family and just, it's just so like, I would be shit scared of this guy even before I know anything he can do. Like he's just got such a manner about him, like the way he kind of does it. Whereas Walt's kind of almost unhinged sometimes, but, um, yeah, I like that sort of level you mentioned about the seduction scene, you know, like uh, the seduction of all this fancy equipment and everything. So, yeah, I, I've, I've got to remember the, the level of detail we get from this in Better Call Soul because, you know, without spoiling, spoiling that, there's a, there is a storyline more about kind of the, the building of the super lab in some way. So I've got to remember how this comes back because, like, I think, like, like clearly this has been built before he ever knows Walt. So like, was he always trying to anticipate that he would find a super cook and now he's found it with Walt? Um, because yeah, like he hasn't built this just for Walt, has he? No, no. And I think probably one of the kind of, I guess at this point in, in the story, one of the kind of unanswered questions that I think if you're watching this for the first time, hi Colin, um, is why is, why is Gus so intent on using this particular guy walt when he knows that walt has some issues now walt is 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 prone to to do things that he shouldn't is working with people that gus maybe doesn't approve of what is it about walt that why does he not just want to wait and find the right person um that that is going to enable him to be able to do this and you know i think we're going to kind of get the like hopefully i remember to talk about this as we go forwards because obviously i think we're gonna we're gonna get that obviously in the next the next few episodes um is a bit more of an understanding certainly by the end of the season we're going to understand what what gus's larger plan is but at the moment i think it's a little bit of an you know you're a little bit unsure as to exactly what gus is thinking here when he knows that walt's a bit of a loose unit so yeah it's it's interesting to think that through yeah and i mean it kind of goes back to my point where Oh, it's just it's I I'm I'm very much Team Gus. Like it's kind of like again I don't. I mean he's definitely a villain and he does villainous things. But yeah, I, I don't want to say too much because it'll spoil things. But I I kind of ultimately think along the way that maybe Walt ends up being more of a villain than Gus. But um, you know, uh, you 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 interpret things the way you interpret. Maybe I'm just an absolute villain at heart. And I'm always you know feeling sorry for the villains in in movies and TV shows. So maybe I'm just a villain. <laughs> Look, I think that they're they're two very different kind of types of villains. You know, I think, um, you know, the the, the Gus they are both villains. Let's let's cut to the chase. Like, you know, at, the, at this point in the show, we can talk about Walt as being a villain. He's already done some pretty horrible things. You know, and they just have different ways of doing it, and they have different motivations for doing it. I mean, one thing that we haven't really talked about for a little while is that kind of Walt has cancer has more or less dropped out of the story at this point. You know, we haven't really talked about it for a few episodes now. Um, And, you know, so what's the motivation for Walt to keep doing this? You know, why does he have to, like the greed element comes into it a little bit. Um, Whereas 
Gus is more about kind of building an empire, built you know, like doing things in you know, you're never you're never doing you know a, a meth business in the in the right way. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think he's just he's more logical in the way he's thinking about things, and he doesn't act out of spite. And I think what will we'll do and has done some pretty horrible things. A because he gets caught out and has to do make decisions quickly, but B he's quite a spiteful man, and yeah. you know I don't think for the most part um, Gus is a spiteful man when he has to do horrible things. He's doing them for a reason, and it's largely to protect his business. Yeah, and I mean there is an element of revenge that we'll get to next season from Gus, of course, but yeah. on that level, I'm very much Team Gus. <laughs> like looking ahead, like. That whole storyline, I'm really going to get interested to talk about the end of season four um, because, holy crap, there's some amazing television to get to there. But, um, yeah, it's like – and like, I feel like I, I constantly come on here and say, like, I'm more on Jesse's side or I'm more on Gus's side. And this, this is not me saying I dislike Walt. I love Walt. I mean, I love Breaking Bad. You love Walt. It's that simple. But I just think he's such a unique character in television where it's kind of like you, you do often find yourself really disliking this guy because of what he does and it's hard to find any humanity to him but i mean that's the beauty of this show you're meant to feel that way and god by the end of this show like anyone who tunes in halfway through the final season will probably hate this guy's guts completely so yeah it's um it's so it's it, and that's what makes this show so unique yeah yeah absolutely um oh, we're back at ted's house uh, <sighs> and skylar's now uncomfortable about having this underfloor heading so i guess probably we're now getting the story that she's done this thing that she's actually not really enjoying very much and she can't really explain kind of why she's doing it and um you know i think ted asks if she wants to go out for a quick bite or something and, and she's like no um we go back to this this kind of awkward but really interesting kind of family dinner scene and one thing i picked up on here is that all four of them are there holly's in the in the bassinet but the other three are obviously at the table and um this is kind of the most congenial we've probably seen them in a while at the table together and um and walt jr is visibly happier you know like walt jr is a, a happy kind of person at this point which is quite cool you know we haven't seen this he's obviously been dealing with the fallout of, of what's going on with his parents so it's kind of nice to see him and then he kind of leaves the table and um and holly starts crying and um walt kind of no, sorry, Skylar kind of offers for Walt to take the baby. And there's some really cool acting going on here without a whole lot being said, really. You know, like these two are just kind of, you know, interacting without anything being too major. And um, there's, again, from my book here that I've got, there's this really cool little line where basically, um, you know, talking about that why it's so good to have somebody like Brian Cranston as, as acting in this because a lot of actors could play the monster that Walt actually is and others could play the loving family man that he believes he is but very few can play both and make them seem like two sides of the same character mm. um, that look of complete vulnerability sorrow gratefulness and love in Walt's eyes as Skylar tells him to pick Holly up as worlds away from the man who will be later so cold and arrogant and muscling Jesse Pinkman out of the meth business and Brian Cranston is able to do both I think that's a really good point right that this guy this is why the show works as well as it does is because Brian Cranston's able to kind of you know pull off these two things really really well like you you never get to the point where at least not for a very long time of absolutely hating Walt because he still still feels like a real human being who loves his family and is, is trying to do the right thing and or at least appears to be doing the right thing and and yeah I, I think it's a really really good point the one thing that that like that makes me think of and I love Matthew Broderick don't get me wrong 
And it would have been so unique to see. Like, I, I, I want to imagine Matthew Broderick could pull this off. Because, I mean, again, you would have gone into this hearing Brian Cranston is going to play and you would have gone, no, that's not true. And look what he does. Yeah. Um, but I just can't imagine Matthew Broderick pulling this off. But, I mean, again, who knows? He could have been equally as good and we could have been blown away by the resurgence of Matthew Broderick. Same with John Cusack. I, I think I, I'm more believable that John Cusack could have pulled that off over Matthew Broderick. But... Um, Again, no disrespect to, to Ferris Bueller himself, but the thing I love about this scene is the the way it's shot. Like, you've kind of got, what is it, like a room divider or something kind of in the middle of the table, and then you've got Skylar on the right and Walt on the left, and it's just kind of like it's got this like thing that's separating the two. It's almost like protecting them from each other. And, I, I mean, I absolutely know that's deliberate, the way they've shot that, but it's just it's, it's so clever. Like, I just love the way they've filmed that and framed the shot. It looks so, so cool. Um, and it kind of fits in between this sort of conversation and, again, kind of goes back into that almost likability. Not likability. Likability is not the right word for Skylar because I don't think you're meant to like her. But, I, I don't know, like kind of that second guessing that she's had. And I think this episode's important for her to kind of explain what's going to happen with her moving forward and rather than just... You know, I'm not going to agree with her fucking Ted, but, like, it's still, I don't know. Like, I think the scene when she gets through very shortly with a lawyer kind of will, will sum up how I feel about Skylar and the way that she's kind of redeemed herself pretty quickly in my eyes, even though I'm not going to forgive her for what she did with Ted. But anyway, I just, I love the way this is shot. And, yeah, it's a, it's a great scene and it's kind of, I, I like that little dynamic when Walter Jr.'s like, can I be excused? And it's like, oh, are you going to play homework or are you going to do homework or play video games? Oh, I might do both. Um, all right, Sonny Jim, off you go, you little you little scallywag. <laughs> Rubs his head. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a good scene. Yeah, and I, I mean, quite a quite a basic scene, really. It's not you know, there's it's not a super complex scene, but you know, it, it, it's still really good. Um, and, and then we kind of move on to um, Hank, and he's you know still doing his investigations, and they've run through all the RVs, and you know he hasn't got any leads, and he's really disappointed. And in the background, you kind of see the kind of Gomez farewell happening. Um, and, you know, Hank's kind of separate from it, which is, you know, kind of the point, right, is that he's dealing, he's not dealing with this particularly well. Um, but then he does go out, you know, and, and so after he does kind of go out and we see, <laughs> I, I do love the, um, you know, like going back to the Hank cake we had before of, you know, like, um, you know, the shootout cake that we had of Hank, you know, they got the gut right, you know. We've got the same style of cake, the Gomi, which I absolutely love. I do love that we've got a little bit of um, kind of continuity in our cake making, um, which is really cool. And and Hank gives him the, I've forgotten the name of it, but basically the statue of the, what is he, the... the um, oh, the, the saint of something, criminal yeah. or... Something yeah, something like, like yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that's the one that Hank was kind of, you know, mocking when he was down there during the Negro all episode. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a nice little scene there, really. Um, and um, and yeah, and then we kind of get um, you know the, the the whoever she is, like the 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 admin lady or whoever, um, kind of comes and they found one more RV, um, you know, and so you know Hank's really excited. Um, yeah, he's got one more lead that he can chase down. So it's a it's a little bit of a functional scene, I suppose, but uh, kind of sets a bit of a mood as well. So yeah, yeah, I um, it's it's kind of interesting just the way like Hank's really throwing himself into his work right now, and obviously you know you can understand that he's completely distracting himself. But um, again, I, I like my good Hank investigates type of thing. But it's just a nice little scene between Hank and Gomi when he does give him that little patron saint thing, and I, I like it. Like I kind of like as you said, like he went from mocking that to all of a sudden now like, hey, here's like an actual thing. But um, 
I'm choking on myself at how much I like this scene, apparently. You think we'd edit that out, but again, no one listens to us. Who cares? Hello, Colin. Um, but I I do, I do. randomly like this woman who's kind of like, she's complaining, oh, oh, I have to do it now? Like, I'm having a party. And then, like, 10 minutes later, she's like, I found it. Here it is. Um, I want to say, was she doing a job right at the first point? Like, why didn't she find this out the first time? Or, or how crap are the DMV if they're not providing this information? Like, oh, there's one more. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice little scene. Yeah, and I, and I mean, anytime we're kind of getting um, kind of Gomez in this thing and, and not being shouted at by Hank, I'm going to like that. So, yeah, I'll, I like I'll it when I like it with. when they both like have nice little scenes together. It's kind of like how I always appreciate a good Jesse and Walt kind of a nice to each other scene. Um, yeah, I feel like Hank and Gomi a nice to each other scene is even rarer. Because obviously we don't get yeah. enough screen time as we do with Walt and Jesse. But, I mean, these two obviously have a strong enough relationship that their wives know each other and call each other. You know, we talked about previously, like, Gomi's coming over for, like, Walt's birthday party and cancer <laughs> better party. So, like, obviously they've got a very good friendship. So I, I kind yeah. of appreciate it when they do have, like, nice little moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we're back with Skylar and Skylar's uh, kind of doing a bit of tidy up around the house and um and finds the big bag of money with um you know that walt that walt has has earned um and then we kind of cut to the lawyer's office and you know your favorite character's here and um you know she's kind of tells tells the lawyer about ted and the difficulty of being honest you know with the family about what's going on and talks about the money and um we kind of get this thing of you know like her almost trying to get permission from from the lawyer about is it okay to spend that money? You know, it's it's quite a quite a, an interesting little scene there. You're starting to see Skylar maybe maybe changing her tune a little bit here, which is quite interesting. And um, yeah, as you kind of um, alluded to at the start of the episode, the lawyer's pretty blunt with her about you're an idiot. Um, and yeah, I think this is the last time we're going to see the lawyer, so it's a bit of a bit of a sad send off, I guess. Well, well, I said that um, we we wouldn't see her again the last time we saw her. So maybe I'm hopeful that we do see her again, but no, I, I like this. Like, I love the lawyer. I just, I, I do love the way she's so blunt and that she's just basically like, you're a fool. Like, you know, no, you're asking for permission to, to spend your, the, the crime money or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of almost appreciate this Skylar. Like, yeah, this is her kind of coming around and kind of just getting an explanation of things. And like, yeah, it's it's interesting because I cause I feel this is one of those scenes that probably people who hate Skylar like oh she's nothing about money hungry she only cares about the money because she saw the money but um I don't know like it's it's an interesting scene I think for development of Skylar just kind of going on about what she's feeling and what she's thinking with everything too but um yeah Rip lawyer I know she's not dead but like I mean you know what, what a great character she's so random but like I don't know why I like her so much. <laughs> Well, I mean, we've all got to like, have these one characters that we uh, we yeah, inexplicably like. I'm not sure who my one is on the show yet, but um, there's bound to be one out there that I uh, that I'm still thinking about. So, one of the things that I'm really interested in here is that so, you know, Albuquerque population of half a million, you know, like this this whole drug thing. Like, does she absolutely have to stay silent about what she's? what she's been told here by Skylar like when there's so much shit starts happening later on would you expect this lawyer to be like a bit of a dangling thread that oh she might give the the police some information uh, at some point I don't yeah. know how it works it's one of those I legal mean, things that I don't know I mean look I, I would assume the the whole lawyer client confidentially is the same as a as a doctor client like I I, I mean she could but I, 
I would assume she looks like a trustworthy woman. Like I, I don't see her as the type of person to go out there and break that trust. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I can see kind of what you're saying, but at the same time, I feel it's a real thing. Like, I mean, you know, like if Walt had have disclosed that he was a meth dealer to his psychologist, like I don't think he could have gone out and done anything either. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Oh, well, it's something to think about anyway. We'll but, get a lawyer uh, on the show, Nick. We've got plenty of lawyers uh, already circling around us for different reasons, so uh, maybe we'll ask one of them <laughs> another time. Well, better, we better call Saul, better call, Saul, better call yep. Colin, better call Noah. Better call somebody. Colin. Not Noah. No, you don't call him. <laughs> Into more trouble. Better, better call Cable. That's got a good ring to it. Yeah, he, he's a cop, <laughs> you know. Probably got better friends than we do. <laughs> anyway, so we follow Skylar home. She gets home. All of Walt's stuff, including the money, is now gone. Um, she kind of looks around and um, sees the signed divorce papers um, in the in the the basin, well, in the the crib of all places. A strange place to leave them, but um, so Walt's signed the divorce papers. So this is quite a big moment on the show. Um, you know, like this is a bit of an ending of something. Um, you know, that's been teased for for a little while on the show, and and here we now have some resolution here. That is actually this is actually official now. So in terms of Waltz, at least signed it. So big moment on the show, even if it's a small scene. I completely forgot that they do or do they get divorced? Um, like that kind of goes through with it. So, um, yeah. But like putting it in the the crib, I wonder if that's just a deliberate way of doing it. But um, yeah, there's still more to this to come, though. Like I forgot yeah, as well oh, that there's more to yeah. it to come. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, um, and then we are at Saul's office, and I, I love this scene. This is a really cool scene too, where Jesse's Jesse's there, and you know they're kind of waiting, and he's late. I think you know they're waiting for for Walt to arrive, and um, basically Walt comes in, and we get this deal that Saul and Jesse have set up that Jesse's going to cook, and um, and Walt will get ten percent of of anything that Jesse makes. So instead of the half and half that he's been getting from Gus, they, you know he wants him to sign it. We're not sign a deal, but agree to a deal of ten percent of any future profit and jesse calls it charity um and then we get kind of walt just turns the script on him and basically just gives him his half of the money back says that he's cooking a loan for gus he's you know the partnership's over and he's going to get three million for three months work this is this is where we find that information now i love that saul just like immediately jumps ship and says oh you're going to need someone to launder that money i can't do any lower than 15 and walt says five oh i can do 10 five oh i wouldn't you know anything less would be degrading five five it is you know like it's just it's a great scene <laughs> again how we get people on this show as well i never budge <laughs> yeah. on five percent what people getting paid yeah well <laughs> shit i should have said that to you colin's, <laughs> colin's listening going bang you not not to tell him <laughs> but yeah i mean it's a, it's a really great scene um and just kind of sets up this um uh, you know this tension between these two now i know you're a jesse fan but i i hate jesse being in but just a, an asshole for no apparent reason here just like it's charity like i just think it's unnecessary like jesse kind of goading him into it so i just kind of love that walt turns the scripts on him here like i'm still a bit of a camp walt guy at this point so um you know i, I do really love that moment um but yeah i think this is, this is a really fun scene and, and everybody kind of does what they're there to do and especially kind of um bob odenkirk is saw just kind of delivers these 
really funny lines in the middle of it to kind of you know keep the tension at bay a little bit um but yeah i just think this is fun kind of sets things up really really well and um just the button i'll put on this before i let you talk about it is you know obviously jesse storms out and smashes walt's windscreen with a brick um another bloody windscreen another windscreen um so yeah i mean i just love this and it obviously is some great setup for you know what we're going to get in the next few episodes between these two characters so yeah it's a lot of fun i um yeah we 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 very rarely disagree on this uh series recap which is interesting we did it more on nip tuck but yeah i i'm not anti jesse here i can kind of see his point Uh, i mean like i think he's trying to stand up to the best of his ability uh he feels a bit duped and he's a bit pissed off at walt so he's just kind of you know standing up a little bit um so yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely not uh, anti Jesse here. And having said that, I'm not anti Walt either. It's kind of one of these ones where I'm kind of you know I can see both sides of it because I almost like Walt kind of putting Jesse in his place for kind of like standing up to him and Walt kind of just going like Nah, screw you. Good luck with uh, you know selling that chili crap that you sell or whatever it is. Um, and it's just again, it's kind of like petty little fights that these two have sometimes. But yeah, no, Soul's brilliant. Like I just it just sums up Soul so well of <laughs> like just. Okay, like, Saul, I want to see Saul on Survivor. Like, he would be fantastic on Survivor. <laughs> like, he would be, entered, he would get to the end, he'd get zero votes at the end, but, like, he would just be so much fun watching him go between alliances and everything on those lines. But, um, yeah, you got to love a good old throwing a brick through a windshield. This is one of those, like, I talk about Jesse, you know, Aaron Paul and all that having fun at the beginning. I could, I, I'd almost go to limb and say Aaron Paul probably had more fun doing this scene. Like, I, I, I've always wanted to go to one of those places where you pay to smash things. Like, it's a thing now yeah, to relieve yeah. stress. Like, Rage I just, room. Like, yeah, like, I think we've talked about this before, but, like, I every time I go into, like, a department store and they've got a glassware section, I, I secretly just want to get a hammer and just go through it and smash it. Like, I just... I'm not going to do it, Meyer, if you're listening to me. Don't worry. But, like, I, I like I really want to. So, and it's like whenever I watch a movie or a TV show and they're, like, smashing a wall, like, oh, we're going to renovate our house, so let's smash a wall. Like, this is one of those scenes where I'm like, fuck, I'd love to be an actor in this scene. Like, I don't know if I'd rather be in a room filled with lots of boobs or throwing a brick through I'm probably going to say throw a brick through a window I've seen boobs uh, you know who hasn't well, Noah hasn't because he hasn't got a date but that's another story but like in, I've never smashed a windshield so like I mean you know like I want to do this so I, I think this would be such a fun scene to film and I want to hope this is a one take wonder right like or do they really yeah. smash like 20 different windshields I can't do it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think there was actually something in the commentary about it that they did say that it was a one take I think like oh did they oh I, I, I'm sorry I'm, I'm blanking on the on the story here but I Come think there was Nick. some kind of yeah there was some kind of story where um, about the brick so I apologise I'll, I'll have to go back and I've, got I've, one I've job seen, on this show seen so many commentaries now they're starting to all blend together a little bit to be honest but um, look I can't be overly professional this is the Oz Network after all touche touche that is a very valid point <laughs> Okay, and so we finish off with a great little scene to finish the episode too. Um, oh, sorry, that's uh, you can hear the man in the background there. It's wow, got to, got to mute you really, it. You really um, want to like, get literal on this week? You yeah. really just want to play it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I've got I've got too many devices and I can't control them all. That's um, what she said. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we finish off this episode um, with um, Hank um, arriving at this lady's house, um, who we don't know who it is just yet. Um, talks about an RV. Did you do you have an RV? I used to have an RV, um, but I sold it. And this is where we find out this this is uh, Combo's mother. Um, and um, you know, you, you actually see this great acting by Dean Norris as he's kind of 
acting Hank out, putting two and two together as he's kind of figuring this out, which is really, really cool. Um, and, you know, this is where we kind of see them kind of goes into Combo's room, which is kind of still being set up as a bit of a shrine. Um, and um, this is where he finds the photo that was taken at the start of the episode. So the, the strip club had a point after all that. Um, and um, basically it's, it shows Combo and Jesse together and, you know, some great facial acting by Dean Norris as he's starting to really put all these pieces of the puzzle together at this point. Yeah, and I, I love this woman's shirt. It's got like flamingo written all over it, and little <laughs> pictures of flamingos and summer trees or whatever it is. But um, yeah, like it's it's kind of a random storyline. But like in a weird way, I kind of like it. I know kind of our trio of Badger, Skinny Pete, and Combo were like, "Well, Combo is a shit one. We don't care too much about him." But I I do kind of like that he gets a human moment where it's kind of like here's his mum, here's his room. Like in kind of even you got like a packet of combos or whatever they are, and kind of you see his little uh, mechanical plane and just yeah, the little shrine thing that you said. Like it's kind of a nice little moment that we we kind of do have, and kind of you feel well, sorry I think, for I think, the- Yeah, I'm just gonna say the other thing too is that it actually kind of. It, it, it gives Combo a reason for having been there. And I think probably the thing yeah. we were critical of is that, you know, Badger and Skinny Pete have roles on the show. And I think we are always just like, oh, well, you know, Combo's there, but he's there to be killed, you know, and, and that's true. But there is also the secondary reason for him to be there. So it's, it's good storytelling. It's good good writing as well. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of like you feel for his mom and kind of like, yeah, as you said, like the little shrine that they've got. But, but even on just the Hank Investigates, like, uh, it's kind of like it's a cool little moment. Yeah, like when he kind of is going through his little notebook. I, lo- I love Hank's little notebook. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> just Hank's not the type of guy that you feel has a notebook and writes down notes. Like, Hank's just kind of like almost like, oh, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do it that way, not too good on the paperwork. But he takes it quite seriously. He's flicking through his things. He's got his notes, like we're going to see in the next episode, that he, he likes his notes. So, like, yeah, like I kind of like Hank on the scene investigating. I also appreciate Combo has a Nintendo 64. I don't know if you uh, noticed that. <laughs> I didn't Makes notice like- that. That's awesome. Makes me like combo a little bit more. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I do love that, yeah, when you see the photo, I just love Aaron Paul's face in that photo. I swear it's a different look to the one we saw earlier in the episode. Like, again, going back to the, the fact of how how fun it would have been to film. Like, I wonder if Aaron Paul and whoever is the actor who plays combo just, like, literally have that photo as just, like, a as a friendship type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting way to sort of in the episode and obviously lead us to uh, Hank investigates and Jesse's back in the picture. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's good. And and like I say, I think it's just tight writing, which I really appreciate, you know, that the show's thinking things out. And I mean, you know, we talked last season that season two was really, really well planned. Um, whereas season three is a little bit more haphazard and, I think it's really quite impressive. But it doesn't feel that way. Sorry sorry to interrupt, but it does not feel that way, does it? Like, it feels like all of this is connected. And, like, having already watched it through, and even into season four, like, if you had have told me that season two was planned and and not these weren't, like, I didn't know. Like, I would have assumed that these were as planned as well. Yeah, I think... um I think it does catch up to them a little bit towards the end, like just a little bit. Um, but to me, I think probably when I say it wasn't planned, it's not like they literally just went, what's going to happen this week? Like they obviously had 
plot points and beats kind of knocked out, but they didn't have all the kind of exact details kind of lined up until they got a little bit closer. And, you know, so, so you know, to say that they had no plan is, is pretty disingenuous. I don't want to make it sound like they were just on the seat of their pants. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it, it is just really good storytelling considering that maybe they weren't deliberately trying to tie this all together. They hadn't thought about that when they first introduced Combo and killed Combo off. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just it's good storytelling. I really appreciate that. I um, always like to imagine lots of things. Um, imagine all the people. Uh, <laughs> just call me John Lennon. Um, but it's any writers of a TV show, like creators and that, they have a whiteboard at the beginning of a season and this is what's going to happen here. Like, let's put Walt and Jesse on a whiteboard. What, where do we want them to meet in the middle and kind of have different things like that? And, you know, it feels like Breaking Bad's a show where they do that and they generally get from point A to point B. I've talked a lot on some of our other recap shows where – Again, clearly someone's rubbed out something on the whiteboard and they've forgotten about it by four seasons later and it doesn't make sense, you know. Like, but, I mean, to me, I, I, I'm a, I'm a suckler for continuity. I, I like things a certain way each time. Like, I have an editing process when it comes to putting these episodes together. Like, and Colin, if you're listening, this is not meant to be a dig at you, but, like, when Colin records and edits an episode, it's maybe slightly different to how I do it. Um, and... Personally, it, it bugs me, not that Colin's not doing a good job, it's just it's not done in the standard that I'm doing it, if you know what I mean. I'm not saying that his standard is worse than mine. You know you know what I mean. Like, you, you know this what is, I mean. This, like, is, this is me figuratively handing you the shovel so you can keep digging your hole. Dig, dig away. <laughs> Colin, you suck. Let me have a, an hour Zoom session of how to do it the Ben Waterworth way. But, like... I would love to, I mean, I, being a television writer would be a fantastic job. I would love to do that. Like, I'm not nowhere near skilled or smart enough to do that. I'm a podcast host <laughs> hosting the Oz Network. So, I mean, you know, my skills aren't that brilliant. But I just think it would be fun to have that creative control over a world that people enjoy enough to be podcasting about it right now. I mean, fuck, like, if, if I ever wrote a show that was good enough for somebody in 20 years' time to be podcasting about, I, I would be so happy. And to hear them talk about my world, like, Vince Gilligan, if you're listening, you're welcome. But it would just be fun to kind of have that control and, and try to have that continuity in a level where you can do that. So I don't know what my point is with this rant. I just wanted to th- throw Colin under the bus at some point because I know he listens now so I can get it out. I'm not scared that he's on the line right now uh, and throw a tantrum like he has done in a few other episodes recently. But um, anyway, just ignore me. Well, um, I remember um, going up to an exhibition um, which was for Outrageous Fortune, which was a New Zealand TV show yep. that was popular and successful for a little while. Uh, that's that's right. the one. Yeah. I, just while I'm on the topic, sorry, I remember when I lived in New Zealand and we'd have the – in my office I worked at, we'd have like one of the radio channels on and this song used to come on. And I'm like, fuck, I know this song. It's annoying me. So I shazammed it and then I typed it in and it was this theme to Outrageous Fortune. I'm like, there it is, that line in a gutter. Dun, yeah, dun, dun, gutter back or whatever it's called, yeah. And like that's, that's that. I, I watched like one episode of Outrageous Fortune. I only liked it. I'd like to watch more of it. But um, yeah, I just that song would always come on. Sorry to interrupt. That'd be an interesting retrospective to do one day. But um, yeah, I think um, my point was that I went up to a, an exhibition and um, yeah, that was after the show had finished and they had a lot of props and they actually had the full kind of um, the set that you could walk onto of the kind of family home where lots of the the show was filmed. But they did have this really cool kind of writers bit and it basically kind of had like a massive kind of, I guess, like A0 sized bit of paper that had been literally folded into 16 sections. Um, And then it had like episode one, episode here are the key beats that are going to happen over this final season. You know, this this character will do this and this one. And then they had like little arrows 
years. And it was really kind of rudimentary, but it kind of gave you an idea that they had a plan for kind mm. of what was going to happen. Um, and obviously you need to flesh that out a whole lot more because you need to write scripts and you need to fill a, you know, 40 to 60 minute TV show. But there is generally always a plan. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting at all that there is no plan. These guys just turned up and be like, what are we going to film today? That's clearly not what happened. Um, Which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with a show like Breaking Bad though, like, the style it is, you, you can't do that. I mean, if this was Law and Order SVU, I mean, when it's more of a, you know, a cop week-to-week serialised, you know, cop drama. Like, and I'm not... That's not me taking a backhanded... Like, people like those shows and there's nothing wrong with liking those shows. I still watch Blue Bloods and I don't know why I watch Blue Bloods. I'm not really a serialised <laughs> cop show fan. Um, but, like, there's just something sometimes where it's... You just want to watch crappy pointless network cop drama right like and it's a bit silly but they don't really have a continuing storyline each week so they can get away with you know just throwing caution to the wind but yeah a show like this like and like yeah i'd love to i love seeing props i love sort of reading books and things like that um when it comes to kind of behind the scenes things and um you know i know over like in our loss coverage again i always say that people bag out loss for not having a plan and that sort of stuff and maybe it does didn't as well as it could but they got away with a lot of what they you know a lot more than people kind of think they do whereas breaking bads uh, to, to steal a word from tuco it's tight 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 so it's kind of it, I mean, going back to our thing, the whole point of this conversation is that, like, yeah, this season might not have been like season two, where from point A to point B, you knew where you were going. But, like, it just, you never feel, like, I can't even, as much as it pains me to say this, the Ted storyline almost has a reason. Like, it's yeah, not, there's, yeah. there's not, there's not really pointless storylines in this show that go nowhere. Mm. Maurice yeah. shoplifting, maybe. <laughs> well, Maybe. yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, it would be really fun. Like, I know we try and get interviews with, you know, um, actors and directors, but somebody like Maura Wally Beckett, whose name does come up quite a lot in terms of these, you know, writing of these episodes, it'd be great to talk to her or somebody like that, you know, about the about the, the writing process because, uh, yeah, I think that's something that I'd be really keen to nerd we, we out We had, on, you know? we've had, um, <laughs> well, we, we were lucky enough to have uh, one of the co-creators on Third Watch on a couple of times, Ed Alan Bonero. Oh, cool. and. He literally was a cop. He was a, a Chicago cop who just liked to write in his spare time and kind of fell into it. Um, yep. And, I mean, he's now the co-creator of a show. I mean, like, I'm never pretending Third Watch is one of the, the biggest TV shows of all time. It's kind of a very sort of niche show that people like me like. But, um, you know, he still went from being a cop to being a co-creator of a show with John Frickin' Wells, who is a very big name in television, of course. So, I mean, you look at somebody like that can do that, and we you know, had the pleasure of having him on the show a couple of times. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest and say we're never going to probably get Vince Gilligan on a show like this because, you know, we're the Oz Network. Who wants to come on the show? Um, but if we ever did, I mean, I'd almost say that's a bigger, almost a bigger honour than getting Brian Cranston on the show because Brian Cranston, of course, is the face of the show as the actor, but he can't be Walter White without Vince Gilligan. So, you know, it's like if you're doing Star Wars, are you going to want to interview Mark Hamill or George Lucas? So probably both. Come on both at the same time, George and Mark. We're available for you. <laughs> well, the the offer's always there. We're always happy to talk to you and give you some of our precious time. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Our time's a precious one. They're begging yeah. to come on the show. <laughs> Sorry, George. Sorry, Mark. We're busy. Right, 200 episodes a week to make it profitable, remember? We'll see when we can fit you in. Okay, well, let's get on to um, to rating this episode. And um, I'm quite happy to start on this one. I mean, it's a buy for me. It's um, a good episode. I, I really enjoy this one. Um, I think I enjoy it more than 
a lot of people do um, because like I'm somebody that really loves these great chunky dialogue scenes um, and, and I don't always need like an explosion to really enjoy that stuff. In fact, in some ways I en enjoy the stuff that doesn't have an explosion more and, and watching these characters interact. So um, I've got this probably surprisingly high. Um, I've actually got this at 12. Um, wow. and I've got it behind Negro Eazul, but I've actually got this before Cats in the Bag, which might be quite a, a big thing to say because that's such a, a memorable episode. That's obviously episode number two of the whole show, which is the whole bathtub scene. Um, but, you know, the bathtub scene's fun, um, but I actually love these kind of chunky kind of acting scenes that we're getting in, in this particular episode. So it might be a big call, but I'm going to stand by it. Very big call, Nicholas. Very, very, very big call. Because I'm telling you now, I think I mentioned this last week, that uh, The Ringer has this ranked um, a spot below last week's episode. So they've got this at 57th. This is what their sixth worst episode of Breaking Bad. Um, and I've, I'm only going to rent this episode. I Wow. Yeah. I like, I mean, it's not that I think this is a bad episode. I just like, it's kind of interesting. You say like, you don't need explosions. You don't that. I don't really either. Um, but to me, this just is not an episode that like, it's got a few good scenes, but like, I, I don't remember this episode. I feel in like a season's time. Um, and like, yeah, there's some entertaining stuff and some good dialogue and everything, but it doesn't, you know, go gaga for me really. So yeah, I'm only renting it. Uh, it's a high rent. And on my list, I've got this as my highest rent. So I've actually, I'm doing a ringer here. I've got it one spot lower than last week, which was my lowest buy. So I've got this in, <laughs> I've got this in 21st place out of 26. So yeah. Wow. Even with boobs that can't get you a buy. That's, that's sad. You, you really do know me. Well, pilot's number two. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I've got boobs up high. Come on. Oh, I'm going to say this right now. They weren't the nicest boobs. Sorry. You like, you like the boobs of that guy that was on the, um, the car, in the yeah. playing cards. You like them they better. were perkier. <laughs> nice to we, saw, we, did see, we did see a lot of boobs on this and not all women's. Yeah. Um, um, we're an equal opportunity per podcast. It's not all about the women's boobs. We're happy for man boobs as well. I've got man boobs, so, you know, got to stick up for my own. Well, there's not a lot of boobs on the next episode. But, uh, things take a more dramatic turn next week. Um, and there might not be explosions next week, but there's a lot of action with a question mark. I don't know if it's tension. <laughs> definitely tension, um, but maybe not what you'd call traditional action. Um, but, I, yeah, some, some great stuff to get into. And this is kind of like the one-two punch, I think. Like this week kind of sets you up, you know, like you're feeling a bit a bit kind of dizzy and then the week after episode seven is just going to knock you over. But this week, I think, this this coming week, episode six, Sunset, is, is, a, is a great episode and, and just heaps going on in this episode. Just sorry, Nick, what episode number was it? Number six. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> I love next week. Like, I think it's great. Like, it's it's a great episode. We get um, a very sad death next week. Um, we get a death of a beloved character, which I think is uh, we, we need to eulogize a character next week. But holy crap, Dean Norris. Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, she just keeps going up and up and up and up every single week from moving forward. But um, no, I, I really, really like next week's episode. We get to meet a very prominent character next week as well who yes. um, I'm a bit partial to him. I, I like him. And it's it's funny because I, I will talk more about him next week, but um, he was in another show that I, I watched in the last uh, 12 to 18 months and a uh, very different type of character. But, like, as soon as I saw him on the show, I'm like, oh, it's 
blah, blah, blah from Breaking Bad. And like, again, basically playing a, an evil dick in the show that I was watching. So I like this actor and I like this character. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy next week's episode. Yeah, it's definitely a good one to, to talk through. Um, and I think we're starting to really get into the swing of season three now. It's taken maybe a little bit longer than we had hoped for, but um, starting to get into some of the fun of it. But uh, in the meantime, um, feel free to give us any feedback. We're always uh, interested in what you have to say, especially Colin after that dig on, on you. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> What's he going to do? Apologise to me? He's Canadian. Come on. Oh, eh, I'm well, sorry. He- I'm sorry that you offended me, eh? <laughs> well, he could he could pay to be um, a Patreon member, um, even though he's True. already on the Oz Network. That that could be a real apology. He really wants well, to download well, the Survivor Oz episodes, which is a perk for signing up to our Patreon. Yeah. Yes. I was actually can I just say I, I I for the first time in my life, and I I, I don't know if uh, this person does listen to these episodes, and if you do, this is not me being deliberately being a dick, but I kind of have to form the point of why we have a Patreon here. Uh, in the past, people I would often be getting like a message a week or every two weeks saying like hey Ben like I really want to listen to this Survivor Oz interview can you send it to me I can't find it online I'm like sure cool here's a link I'll, I'll put on my Dropbox and everything someone recently messaged me uh, and basically said like hey I'm really after this interview can you send it to me and I'm like nope you have to sign up to our Patreon <laughs> so I don't know if that's me being a dick or I'm just standing up to the reason why we have a Patreon I can't be nice all the time alright I'm Walter White I'm getting more evil well, look, if you want to hear that, that elusive Colin Haskell interview, you have yeah. to be a Patreon member. That's how it works. Well, that's very true. Um, We've had it all along, people. We've had it for years. <laughs> we have had it. We just, we were the prick podcast that waited until we could make some money. Of it. We, you know what we should do? We should say we've got one, then we actually might get Patreons. So, hey. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, I we, could just we, literally we go just... on, like, hello, Colin. How are you? Hello, Ben. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> We are just like Colleen and the animal. We're in it just for the money at this point. So, um, but anyway, if you do want to join us on Patreon, feel free to, feel free to join us there. Um, follow us on all the usual social media. Uh, make sure you download some um, some twenty four coverage and maybe even some lost coverage if you're lucky. Um, but um, yeah, I think that's probably it. Looking forward to coming back and talking about uh, episode six sunset. But until then, my name is Nick, and uh, that was awesome, bro. And my name is Ben, and I'm as ha- I'm half as qualified and twice the price as a therapist. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)